0: Not Bhagavatu to serve, but go out to what a hut to with the Not more Teachings of the Gautama Buddha, the uh, teacher, is a very uh, strong emphasis on uh, developing the skills of the path, and uh, it's very kind of pragmatic. It's not metaphysical teaching. It doesn't really say anything about the unity or the oneness, or the, just talks much more about the details of the of practice practice specific qualities, specific details. It's a mess of specific. Sometimes it's, it seems to lack the kind of glorious mayonnaise of other concoctions where one's got something kind of nice It dresses it all up and tastes good. It's just kind of, here's your beans, here's your carrots, here's your spuds, get on with it kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, I think this is very, very... Um, significant actually Um, this is a a Buddha's teaching it's quite a mature thing to be able to to, to take that but really the specifications of the path if one does say enter it with faith and really practices works with it, commits oneself to it undertakes it takes you much much further than just knowing it you know, you can't step back and look at it and think, oh, that sounds nice, because it doesn't sound very nice, really. Um, you know, it only works when you, you give to it, you give yourself to it, it works on you and it, it sort of softens you up, and then you're what's nice. Not, you know, the path of Buddhism, it's you, the, the way the bliss and the joy is. So, it, it, you know, it, it comes, it's a natural fruition and there is this fruition experience which we have in smaller and larger ways just to be able to recognise just letting go of one irritating thought letting go of it, not rejecting it but just, okay, so that was that I had that feeling, that thought right, now I've acknowledged it and you've not, doesn't you, know, you have no angle on it you're not making some personal statement out of it, it should, shouldn't let it go there's a moment which if you're really mindful observe it it's a blissful moment it's not, you know, you could say it's kind of ecstatic, but it's, it's a moment it's got this quality of openness, space freedom you yeah. this is a small thing mm-hmm. but it's really like being able to recognise those moments of letting go uh, the, the path Really gives us many, many tools and specifications to bring us to this point where this kind of letting go, because it's this non grasping, is the deathless. This is very clear. So if you're looking for some kind of inspiring metaphysical statement, then the Buddha starts with that in the dispensation, comes into the deer park at Sarnath and says, Listen the deathless has been discovered the deathless has been found listen up guys open your ears bring forth your faith it means like you know really open up, take this on don't just sit back and think about it get into this, it's like a real trust faith then he goes on to teach the four noble truths which are very much like the pragmatic specifications of what's about what the problem is um, you know, and, and specifications of, of the resolution of the problem. And, it, you know, and then occasionally just, just reminding us, you know, that of all of these skills that can be developed, the highest and the most refined skills, that we can develop through skills, eventually these are just the finest forms of clinging, the finest forms of being something, and that letting go, this is deathlessness. Mm. But, of course, one has to go through the whole process of really clinging specifically to skillful things in order to attune this natural um, unawakened experience mechanism we have of grasping, to attune it to the point where it's possible for it to to no longer be needed for our integrity for our living experience it becomes something that just gets in the way of being alive it's no longer a food anymore it no longer nourishes it just it holds us back and then this opening into the into deathlessness this is bliss this is the the bliss of liberation and to make no mistake about it, when the Buddha himself had these realisations, spent, what was it six, seven weeks just enjoying the bliss of liberation, standing, walking, contemplating, thinking, you know, and just turning it over, just savoring it. Nothing wrong with that. A very, so that's a very tangible thing, but they're really. teaching, you're teaching just that just remembering that and then teaching these are the specifications of it so then the four noble truths which are you really take those on then you you know your life is never going to be the same again actually if you really open up to the four noble truths the first noble truth um, says here you know Birth, aging, death, sorrow, lamentation, grief, and despair—all these are dukkha. These are the kind of feelings of dissonance. They you are know, dissonant experiences. They are experiences that make us feel. They turn us into a kind of spasm, of grief, of anxiety, of holding, of clutching, of trying to stop it happening, of worry, of uncertainty mind is set trembling. He says you can sum all this up saying that the five kanda, you can sum it all the rest of this kind of life experience, you can sum up into just this innate experience that we call ourself. So just that that movement from what seems to be an external situation that we live within to uh, if you like an internal, although it's wrong to call it an internal, but very much a here Series of events that we activate. So this is what the the five kundas are about. I mean, to really understand that, like, what world? Yeah, it's it's saying, you know, can you see anything outside of consciousness? Of course you can't. There's consciousness. It's here, isn't it? This is what you are, if you like. You see anything outside of form? form can anything be experienced that doesn't give rise to some kind of contact impression feeling and perception Mm. so this is your living experience these five gandha form feeling, perception and then the activations the karma formations that happen around that the drives the urges the shaping things up the retreating, the contracting, the moving into you know, these kind of things, the sankara, karma formations in all their manifold, um, specific, personal um, formations, and then this is all going on consciousness. So you have the basically the, the you know the two polarities seem to be consciousness and form, and the dialogue between those two is about perception, feeling, and karma formations is there anything outside of that that's all something that we are here with so like just taking that on and really say what the satipatthana practices practices of, of mindfulness lead us to this point of entering the realm or the five kanda. Is what the Dhamma, the fourth satipatthana Dhamma start is, is about, is is actually entering this realm. So we're now we're in the realm of, of Dhamma where it's uh, say so the the <laughs> visual experiences that seem to be out there are really understood as his visual consciousness. And there's some kind of that natural instinctive activity to shape up forms within that visual consciousness, not just to see a whole screen but to focus on particular little details, that interest or got something in them you know, somebody's Georgia on his t-shirt or whatever <laughs> 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 these kinds of, I'm thinking you want to kind of, the details on the corridor just <laughs> sit here and go into some kind of Spaced out state, you see, all this kind of focusing is they're shaping up of forms, and then they all seem to be somebody's seven foot away, somebody's 15 foot away, and nice distances, and all that going on. And then when we think in the shrine room, and then outside the door, there's other things I could go and do right now, yeah. And this is all this is what, what seems to be happening, and it's whatever night it is, yeah. Where's all that? So this is this is very much the, the an activity of visual consciousness and mental consciousness and there may be tactile consciousness things of this nature You're forming up forms and then upon those forms that are sustained in attention intentions get set up little programs you want know they do things I don't want to do. Things I like to kind of not notice, things I want to be with, things I want to fiddle with, things I don't like, when we change it to make it another way. Little plans, ploys, and then ways of covering that. all that planning up. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody knows about it. So it's a busy life, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just, just sitting around is a busy life. Like, you know... So well, this is this is so this is where the whole kind of realm begins, isn't it? Now we say this is birth, aging, and death. You know. So um, what happens? Uh, you know, as, as this. Is for this world is is originated is arisen. There are continual uh there's a searching for as contact impressions. Those contact impressions, something strikes the eye or the ear, and there's a resonance and the mind. Cat- files that pleasant, or it files it as oh it reminds me of this, or it files it oh I'll do that about that. So you've got some kind of. You ring the bell, and then the tunes start playing. Mm. So this is what's um, this accumulation of experiences is what gives the, the dimension that we call myself. This kind of identity experiences, this kind of storehouse of perceptions, and the ability to move around within them. Mm. And those all arise dependent upon contact of some kind. So if it's not the eye, it's the ear or the touch, taste, or the just the the mind itself, brain churning out stuff. You close your eyes and then you know, so okay, the telly's switched off, the radio starts playing. <laughs> it's all then it's even bigger, isn't it? It's all the kind of yesteryears come tumbling in and uh, so then, the net result is very much this feeling of 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 a meanness that the, the, which is called here. You know? it's the here is me, and it's this. It's a, there's a dimension to it. There's a continuity to it, and there's a sort of so there. If like I'm born, mm. so there's a kind of sense which that contact impression is is recognised is stuck together. It's stored up. This is the process. So the contact impression, and then you get this kind of holding it, which is uh, grasping, and then sticking all together, becoming, called being becoming. It suddenly becomes not just the contact impression, but actually something happening to me, and it's it's stretched through time. It's it's reserved, it's stored up, and it's proliferated around and so this kind of whole sense of identity comes out, out, out of that and there's a consciousness, of six folds in it you can't do it through the eye, you do it through the ear you do it through the mind, generally there's three or four you know, uh, channels open that can happily readily provide this blend and then, there's, then you see the becoming birth, there you are mm-hmm. and death but death is the experience of be, of uh, falling away, and losing rejection. Mm. It's the cut the, the being cut off. Is death? Mm. So what happens as one is as one is born, in this sense, is now there's a world outside of my here. Here I am with these kind of various plans and ideas about the way it's going to be and what I want to have happen. Now there's a world out there that I've got to try to exert my will over or come to terms with. So there's that division, the here and the there. And uh, there's a sort of sense of this separation from it. And what is obvious and is recognized is that this subject is event has to keep coming up against that world outside the, the there-ness and uh, try to tackle it and eventually uh, succumb. We, we break down. So first of all, our kind of uh, the psychological realms and systems that we elaborately create are continually being shattered by the world out there, aren't they? Our little dreams, our pipe dreams and our, our cubby holes and our little you know, scenes that we like to, scenarios we like to create. The balloon is continually being pricked. So there's that, hmm, hmm. we start again. So you get this kind of death, birth, death becoming birth. And this, this this um this process continues. And so what actually um comes about is as you as you die out of happiness, uh, of that feeling of having you know something that you've got going and then it gets frustrated, then you get reborn in unhappiness. You know, oh, it's all a waste of time, I can't do anything. So there you are again, you've become now somebody who can't do anything, and uh, you're in that little realm. Mm. And then, of course, as things change, then you know one swings between these different, different realms: being born, becoming, birth, death, and then the sense of separation and loss, and then struggling to get over it and becoming something again, and then born again, and then death again, and this kind of builds up. Uh, Till uh, a person has got to, has come to some sort of um, level in where, whereby they've kind of grown used to that experience. So, in fact, the, there's a sort sense of a lack of, of trust, and a lack of of completion, not even expecting it anymore, we tend to retreat into ourselves, into this kind of meanness, and uh, we don't really ever expect or the world is going to suit us or satisfy us in any way, so you get this kind of retreated mode of experience. And this is very much, say, what the kind of thing that a you know, a, a, say a, a gone forth person will probably have a good taste of that, disillusionment or things dissatisfied with the world, therefore you know some way in which one could get out of it, avoid it. But of course is that the, the experience is that one one just doesn't really avoid it. you just change it a little bit because there you are sitting in your monastery and when you sit down then these sort of thoughts and impressions come into the mind. And the memories and the regrets, stop it. you try to make it go away, stop it, change it. You want to become happy, you want to become enlightened, you want to become fulfilled, you want to have all this kind of weird stuff happening, these kind of petty moods and nasty feelings going on. So the same process comes How do you get away from it all? Uh, So that, that you know, there's a continual looking to be born into something and falling out of it, and in this uh, kind of ongoing scenario, then the the, the whole um, unawakened intention gets more and more um, defensive. And uh, protective. Still hanging on to being something or the other, trying to be something or the other, and uh, being less and less convinced that there's any um, scenario or any game plan that could be played. So we get to a kind of rather pessimistic mode of mind. And we find little kind of hobbies and things we could whittle away at in private. Nobody else sees us doing it. <laughs> because of A, you know, our whole aspect of the world that we don't trust, don't feel at home with. And I think one of the the, um, one of the real dangers uh, or problems of, of of the religious life is this inability, most, um, most institutionalized inability to actually enjoy anything in, in, a, in, a, in a kind of conscious, specific, mindful way to know as to, to actually come out into life because of that disillusionment, mistrust and because find, you know, that one's intention in coming out is so often unawakened, it just goes into grabbing. So we either kind of de- retreat by grabbing, you know, trying to find some little hidey-hole we can get away and grab at that. Or when we come out, we start grabbing. The problem really is the, the grasping. Uh, you get the vibabra which is the grasping at trying to get out and then the, the only if you don't do that you tend to grasp at becoming or some kind of something of that nature and I uh, think and certainly in religious life you find this pattern very strongly you get people who like to be strong inclination to being on their own being recluses, meditating and then almost all uh Kind of monasteries and many uh, monastics I've known quite a lot of that, and then they have little things they really get very passionate about. You know, suddenly somebody's been quite kind of calm and well, it doesn't really matter, and you know, things do go, life's unsatisfactory, and then change, and then suddenly something comes up about you know uh, some kind of particular, and it gets into the various things that we get into. You know, in any any monastery, eventually you find something. We well, get really excited, and on views, uh, and of course, of course, the, the teachings—the things that one is allowed to get interested in so you really head up about, you know, views and doctrines and things like that. Really, a lot of passion comes out in that. And then maybe people get into passions about making robes. So you get in Asia; you get, you get these tremendous robe-making passions, and. <laughs> You know, you know, years ago you, you, uh, someone like lights came from Thailand and were really into crochet you know you see these kind of raggy looking guys come in and you know, sit down in rows and you know, crochet looks out it's not they're quite passionate about crochet <laughs> or chanting or something everybody gets to some little trip they, they can get into and suddenly there's a tremendous amount of this is a different person now it's not somebody's going, well, yeah, you know, life's like that and that go and give up. somebody suddenly, suddenly, you know, well, this is, no, this is serious. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is quite, quite charming, actually. You know? <laughs> it's not, I'm not criticising it, it's just kind of just observing, you know. My own things I can get quite excited by. So, you know, just recognising that, that we have this quality, something that definitely wants to be very much alive, very much here, and really wants to get hands-on contact with something. It doesn't want to be just kind of, well, then it all pass, so what. And so, you know, there's that, isn't there? And so we tend to find little kind of outlets for it where it can be justified. Why does it need to be justified? Why is it there only little chinks that you can get it out through, you know? Because if it doesn't go out there, then you just get into kind of food or, or chat or something like that. You can get really uh, excited by talking or eating or things of that nature. I mean, there's a strong, strong enjoyment energy there that actually um, is only finding small outlets for. And it gets taken up into... Say bhava becoming something, but then you know you've either got that, or you've got this kind of mode of sort of feigned um, detachment, which is often tainted with a kind of ibhava. Well, I think if one, as one meditates, and this is meditation itself, it's, it's very testing experience because you can get kind of into it as a something to do you know we're going to get there thing for a while and then if you do that then generally what one requires is something you know fairly uh, highly um, technique oriented where you can actually have has distinct highly distinct focus and object of attention that you can work on and you get a lot of you get really get into it so you do, and there's that kind of uh, enjoyment, excitement out of that but um, very often people can't actually do that you know, there's so much unresolved stuff in the mind that just keeps coming up so that the mind gets kind of tilted into, into this negative state and because it's like that, you can't ever really rally all the faculties around focusing and, and concentrating because there's all sorts of kind of cramped moods and dis- dissonant voices and mangled up feelings in there that one has not actually uh, kind of s- sucking out a bit of energy. And this is, this is uh, the realm of the dead, the dead who live with us, They're kind of whittling away, sucking away energy. and so that one's response to that is very often one of just kind of trying to just push it away and you get into that that that, that habit that habitual, attempt, uh, habitual intention of pushing away things and going into a kind of not here mode, non-specific mode so that uh, you know, Community life, in a way, is a challenge for that because you get maybe you get a group of people, and a good por- portion of what they're about is not wanting to be here. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a it's not a personal statement; it's just a kind of like a, or or malice or lack of friendliness. But something just does. Oh, I'm not. Well, I'm not really into groups. I don't. I'm not really into people. I'm not really into community scenes, you know. So I'm really I kind of you know, I like to be quiet on my own. Unless somebody starts talking about beekeeping, it'd be really (laughs) interesting. (laughs) (laughs) They don't want to be here for that, but no community life, you know. So you know (laughs) that's it's it's interesting. Why couldn't one actually just kind of have that sense of of real um you know enjoyment out of what's actually provided. Yeah what's actually almost the kind of sine qua non of, of the of the sangha life you actually sangha actually had to be with each other Buddha in to set it out that way you've got to kind of meet at least once a fortnight to go through some sort of you know linear procedures and do that and then you've got to kind of live on alms food and you've got to you know you've got to be together so could we actually make that into something that was actually a channel for our enjoyment energy, rather than something we kind of put up with. Don't you know them out there and see? Don't really get on with and feel funny about people. And, you know, agitated and intimidated and nervous and opinionated and frustrated and fed up, <laughs> bored, hostile, niggly. <laughs> So this is I think uh, you know, things had to be resolved there, don't they? And I think if we actually start to see, you know, taking this reflection of the five candles, you know, people aren't out there really. They're not out there at all. If they're not there, really out there, you wouldn't feel them. The problem is they're in here. <laughs> That's why they keep arising. I keep sort of wanting to be out there and go away, but they don't. They keep coming in, um, and that wanting to not be here—this is death. This is what it is to be dead. Continual wanting to not be here is death, and so the way that we we live in death is we abstract everything into, it's out there, and my business, not really involved, a vague kind of numb contact, generalizations, nothing too direct, and uh, I don't think this is purely, certainly not a purely monastic experience, I think the cities are full of the dead, and people brushing past each other, grunting, minor acknowledgements, meagre little scraps of attention tossed at appropriate moments for conventional purposes to each other, Uh, you know, and then basically get out of my way, don't bother me here. Cities are, human life can be full of that. You know, in the monastic life you can start to fantasise about really getting involved in life and coming alive and getting out there and uh, you know, there's that kind of urge to get out of this kind of weird shutdown, restrained situation Something that can be more kind of ecstatic and feeling and contacted and intimate and sharing, you know. So this is what happens, say, to 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 monks generally about my age. <laughs> 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 or even younger, the ones who've developed it quickly. Oh, I've had all this restraint. Well, I was always restrained well you know, I really need I need intimacy, I need connectedness. You know, I need a woman basically. <laughs> <laughs> not you know, not just the kind of not just kind of some, you know, chick. But I want I want, kind of, I want a deep experience with the Earth Mother. You know, who's kind of or something like that. You know. <laughs> My Madonna figure, or whatever you like to put it, the kind of anima figure one projected some kind of ha- hapless human has to carry it for one. <laughs> 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 so there you go, you know. And, and but, uh, from what I reckoned on, kind of past track record, and on the general statistical analysis and the usual unreliable sources, <laughs> is that. <laughs> Married life is not divine communion either. Because <laughs> 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 you know really what you're trying to commune with. You think's out there, it's really here. You know? You know, if you really take this, this, this practice seriously, you're sure there's some that you need to commune and get in touch with me intimate with, but it happens to be you. <laughs> Bits of you that have become so estranged that you don't acknowledge them, you don't notice them, they're they're taboo areas, you know, because they're not about Buddhism, they're not about what monks experience or whatever, you are not part of my meditation. So they actually, you know, occasionally they manage to get over and prod through the bars, but you can kind of push them away. So this um, (coughs) very much, you see how the, the, the consciousness willingly is split, you know, into here and there, and then desire occurs, doesn't it? And all the projections about how good it is out there, or how terrible it is out there, or how them are a nuisance, or how he could be wonderful, or she is is my true soulmate, for eternity. <laughs> what have I? <laughs> it's kind. Of, Seeing happening with kind of monstrous uh, monstrous uh, projections that occur around this this here there you know because it was so so much profound longing for that for that division to 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 be to be relinquished and yet tremendous inability to do it and a fear of it and of course the because the rub is that that in order to, to for that to cease, for that consciousness to cease doing that, well, that's goodbye to you, <laughs> as a here. Yeah. You can't have the division cease without this one here ceasing to be separate. Now, you know, I quite like it if I could be me and have it all as well, but I don't want to stop being me. So that this is this is the the, the, the problem, and um, you know, I think one has to come up against that particular boundary many times, and uh, this is what letting go is about: letting go of of. of uh, many small things, uh, basically to exercise the quality of intention intention towards letting go, intention towards relinquishment To so ex- just to exercise that on small things little things, momentary things, specific things whereby there is that kind of wanting to have and to hold and you you know that, you acknowledge it, you don't deny it, you don't crush it, you just Okay, now you just relax. Just stay there, relax. And it's you are not wanting and can't bear it, and don't want to be with it, and they're just, okay, They just relax. And you let that kind of panic and that compulsion wave touch you and hit you and then pass through. And this happens around little things, you know, like you, some month you go there and somebody gives you some tea, you have the tea and they, they didn't pass the sugar, and you really like to have sugar, too. But it didn't give you the sugar. You go, <laughs> <laughs> and then, just, not so important, I guess. You know, just that little moment where you, you know, you recognise that, and you can, you know, right. just be with this. This is what's here. You know, just be with this, and then, if you can really just open up and be with what's actually given and presented. This is a tremendous training, in its own right. Just some very little things, you know, and you go like on on uh, the whole idea of living on arms. So, you, what's given, what isn't given, isn't given, and then you tra- one trains oneself like that. And the more you see that the, there is an advantage of it, because if that is done, if one actually goes through that process, and there there is actually an intelligent and a wise. Letting go. There's an experience if you follow it through. There's an experience, a little experience of bliss there, of recognising after the panic and the compulsion has arisen and ceases that feeling of relief. Yeah, don't need it. Fine. Here we are. This you know, There's a sense of something sort of expands. You get a feeling of letting go. And this is the way it should be cultivated. Thoroughly, Not just, like, I shouldn't and I can't have, but I want, it's not here. Now, that point of conflict is something you let happen to you. This is the dukkha, and then you let it pass through you, and it ceases. And there's that moment of feeling suddenly complete. So, the whole life is really around that that kind of, of training, you know, actually training one's in, in, intention. Now, intention is one of the... one of these prime sankharas, these uh, karma formations. And, this is the, and these, these are the things that activate consciousness. So, the, in the Buddha's teaching of consciousness, arises. So the arisen consciousness, consciousness that's actually thrown up, is activated, is activated dependent upon sankharas And sankharas arise dependent upon ignorance or unknowing, or the 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 the, the quality of 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 non-gnosis, a non-gnostic, a non um, aware state when one is not completely aware. So, the, the sankharas are the things that actually keep consciousness doing this kind of thing of here and there. Because actually, just on a logically, in consciousness, really, there isn't any here and there, it's just present, it's all present. But something, consciousness is activated to keep saying, Well, that's there and I'm here, and that's there and I'm here, and that's tomorrow and I'm now this moment, and that's yesterday, it keeps, it's, it keeps discriminating, it's vinyana, it cuts apart, it knows in separative ways, in terms of here and there, primarily. And then when you look at that, what are the kind of... What has that happened? You get a point of contact, and then when that contact there's an impression arises, and something then... Formulates around that. So if I like it, then that kind of intention arises to hold it, grasp it, and become it. When one becomes it, one kind of separates and takes in. And then you, every time you become something, you feel you, you know you can actually sh- you shift out of the out of the, out of a whole perspective into an individual perspective. Every time that occurs. So maybe, you know, if one's mind is open, you feel sort of quite spacious, and then something occurs that annoys you. You sh- see you're shut down in a little contracted state, and then you are muttering away, you know, in your little world, with your nifting needles, and, you know, and then, you know, and then you look up and peek outside, oh, it's changed now. Okay. Something pleasant happens. Oh, scurry that, you squirrel, squirrel away with that and nibble it in your little lair. You remember it and fondly, and you can kind of scurry away with it. And you've got tired of that, you have another peek out. Then it goes on like every time you become something, you feel that you kind of contract into this little localized me space. And so there's an intention there that does that. There's a volitional quality that actually occurs connacent with contact impression. You get contact impression is one, intention is the other, is one another, and Attention is the is the other, and attention, as I've said, is not a, is not a, a neutral thing. It's actually an activity, which forms up particular discrete forms and objects in consciousness. It focuses. So visually, we're not visually aware of of the whatever our eyes are capable of seeing. You know, we're we're discriminatively aware. We focus on little points at a time. And there's something really interesting, you home in on that. So that particular homing in and, and shaping up, this is this is attention. when you pay attention, what do you do? You know, you, you, you home in on something. And so you zero in on it. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 a sankara, that's an activity that occurs in consciousness. And when that's occurring. Yeah, then I'm listening to this, and then you know, then the various kind of intentions dependent what that what that object that's arisen, you then get contact with that, and it stimulates various kinds of impressions. That stimulate various kinds of intentions. So it's something one enjoys. Stay with it. This is good. So you can get more of it. You know, store that up. You know, hold that. Something you don't don't like intention comes up to shift into something else to, to, to attend to something else, to get out so it's going on like that isn't it intention, attention and contact, impression these are the three primary formative tendencies that keep the consciousness bubbling away and the net result is the experience of me here, everything else there so when this is not happening on the manifest physical plane it's happening psychologically there's me with all kinds of funny things happening to my mind happening to my mind I don't, you know that's going on, memories and thoughts and things, and now I'm besieged by it all, or chasing nice little uh, rainbows in there. So, this is what, when we talk about letting go of consciousness or the cessation of consciousness, is really about the giving up, the relinquishment of that act, those activities. The quelling of those activities, they're no longer requiring those activities. They're not being, yeah. You know, so it's not a not a, a say an intention that says, "Oh, I don't want those activities." It's actually that quality of intention to form something, to hold something, in order to be something, being something that's no longer required. It's not necessary. It's not no purpose to it, it's just the strains. So this, this is what is meant by cessation. And of course it's blissful, because when that isn't happening, it's very peaceful. So, as yes, one recognises, this process of intention, attention and contact that consciousness is continually arising with is, is, is very unsatisfactory. It's, it's always dissatisfying. Because you have to keep swinging from one to the other. Is something pleasant happens, you go out and get it, and you, you kind of scurry back into your lair, and then you get to the end of it, you're going to scurry out for some more. Or something, some object strikes you. So it's continually going from an internal world to an external world from the pleasant to the unpleasant from defending and protecting to, to increasing and gaining in this kind of restless shifting around of consciousness so it's, it's, it's unsatisfied it's not settled and no matter what particular objects one place however refined they are it doesn't get beyond dukkha so even the nearest we can, uh, uh, the best we can get, uh, the best world we can arrive at is the world of jhana. And this is where intention, attention and contact are so refined that they actually kind of flow along together. You've, got, you know, you've actually managed to, to totally gear your intention, your volitional qualities, your motivation up to attending to a particular object that is, is very peaceful and subtle. So it doesn't, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't challenge, it doesn't run away. It's your, it's your own uh, kind of mind object. So the impression is subtle and sweet and, and something you've actually uh, invested a lot of uh, calm and joy into. So then these things kind of come along together. And yet there's still the sense of being something and having something and in the sense of losing something so this here and there experience is something to to really work on in in many levels not just uh, samadhi or meditation but on many levels so the skills are really about that and all these wisdom, the skills of wisdom, bring one to the point when this you actually can see, recognize that you know this simple pattern. And then there's the wisdom of bliss, which is the relinquishment of the pattern. So the, the eightfold path is the, the skills path. And so we you begin, just the recognition of, of of right view starts to bring one alive, actually. You come out of the world of death. Because right view is a sense of, to, is a presentation of a, to, of a total connection. It means it's the laws of karma. Whatever you do, whatever you think, as its effects, its repercussions, it doesn't just stop here. It's like every every conscious intention is like a pebble in the pond. The ripples go out. They don't, it's not It's not. It's You're not living in a vacuum. You're in a totally responsive experience of your own consciousness. So every thought, every every intended thought, every intended word, every intended action, has its effects. You're really in a, in a completed, total contact experience, in which there's no, really, there's no difference between here and there, things don't go away, there isn't any away, there isn't any out there, it's all here. So any kind of good deed that we do is left with us, and any bad deed that we do is left with us. So this is really quite a, you know, to really understand and practice the right view or attempt to practice the right view is really something that changes your life. It means that no, no skillful thought, no skillful word is just chucked away or wasted. This means that very much, to, to respond to that you have to come alive because it means instead of all those dead moments where you just grab something out and you <laughs> and you just kind of bang something down and you just knock something out and you just shrug something off, all these momentary deaths that you know, one so got used to are no longer adequate, because you, know, you just keep creating death in your life. And it won't go away either, you are actually be living with the dead and they keep coming back. Not just as people, but as all the neglected habits of of um, carelessness and intolerance and can't be bothered and fear and intimidation they they state this you're sitting in the bathtub with them they don't go away. <laughs> so you know to really. Take on, right? You know the the, the, the um, repercussions and the significance of right view. It's, yes, you know there, there is a few, there is a further than this. There is a further life. There are results there's cause and effect. So this, you know, can seem very. If you're really into strong degree of of. Um, you know, of, of death, then of course, it sounds pretty miserable. Uh, terrible things can happen to me, whatever I do, gloom, gloom, gloom. Um, you know, but if you uh, took it in a, in a kind of more affirmative way, means, well, everything I do, if i actually with it right now, you know, one can actually bring some, some, some joy and some goodness into life. Contact impressions. And to take on the C. Dinkinson right view, Really means that this is again where your training in intention begins. It all intends to to lift up, to do what is honest or good, because you you must do. You want to be, you know, intended in what's what's actually real and and significant, not continue these kind of furtive habits of, of hiding away or stirring up or defending. And just creating a realm of death around one. You continually kind of cut off from. Now in the summer life, you have a very good opportunity to, to actually be as it is, to be very, very right on with, in, in terms of intention. I mean, there's a, there's a very high requirement to, to be here first of all, there's all the kind of you know the moral precepts which actually are fairly um you know put you on the line and then if you like the community life means when to actually be you realise that the the how bad it gets if one is dismissive casual abrasive, you start dumping his stuff over everybody else, you know, then. This is what you get back, either, either directly because they react to you in that way or you keep seeing them in that way as, as creatures of your own fear or desire. So this, is, this means it really is, gets, you know, the stakes are quite high. You can really mess it up. But partly because of that, it does create the pressure. You know, if you want to really be miserable, this is the place for it. But because, because of that, you know, but it's all up to you, isn't it? It's all up to each other individually. You know. We can actually bring forth. We can help. We can serve. We can look after. We can love. We can care. We can attend. And this, you know, we can be here. And it means we can still struggle against that kind of wanting to die. Morning time, bell rings. Four o'clock. Oh, death, where is thy sting? <laughs> <laughs> Not, you oh, get up into that world of contact and feeling <laughs> and choice and decisions and having to bring something forth and sit there and chant with my mind and then the chores and the and another morning meeting. Oh Lord, you know, did I come here for this? No, you know. This is giving you the pillow and some morphine. <laughs> 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 yeah. So there it right is, That's, you know, you've got what death is, it's right there on your pillow, right there. And it's not a passive agent at all, it's an active thing. So if your intention is, you know, come alive. Then with that intention, you know, then that world disappears. It's a very convincing thing because your intention it, uh, it will actually form immediately. The objects of attention that go along with its own motivation. So if you've got this kind of death instinct, the dead will arise. All the horrors, all the yuck, all these other it will be right there. So when that's firing, that's what happens. But if we do have that possibility because, you know, that training in actually awareness, mindfulness, not so we recognize that stop, okay, you know what's happening. Now, if you've been worth developing the skills of meditation, developing the mind, there's a possibility to know that's an object of attention. It will pass, it changes if you don't act on it. And then you can actually bring forth the intention, to at least, at least the intention to witness that and acknowledge it. And then as you see it, you make peace with that. And the stopping of that, that moment of, of uh, freedom again. So the intention, first of all, is just to, just to wake. But then for one's own welfare... You, know, you start to realise that, that, rather than have to go through that struggle every every moment, you know, can we actually create a a, a a world whereby you don't have to keep coming out of the pits? You've got a kind of level that's workable from. This is what the the holy life is about: to sustain a kind of a reasonable world, which has got some lovely forms in it. You know, calming, uh, responsive, um, modest, uh, caring, attentive. It's got some very lovely forms in it. But the love, most lovely aspect of it really is is in the intention beyond whether the experience is particularly pleasant or calm or sweet or harmonious, which it isn't always. But at least you know we can say that there can be lovely form, or the form that isn't always very lovely. And it's just kind of gritty, but then more precious than loveliness of any form or subtle form is loveliness of intention. This when one rises up and we put out at least what's honest, or what is, what is an aspect of Dhamma, what is good, whatever the context. Because that's really the seed point of what we experience, not what anybody else is doing what's happening, or how nice it is, or how harmonious it is, what's actually happening from our own intention. Intention rules the world. This is the skills of cultivating skillful intention. And it's certainly in the monastery here, you know, we have quite a lot of... You can be very specific about your, you know, like the whole... Encouragement in the training is to develop a skill around the bowl, the robes, you know, so these things that are dealt with, are handled in a way that is, is truly worthy. You know, there's some care and some actual direct contact, but just kind of slung around like this, you know, living on arms, everything should be touched with that sense of reverence and appreciation. Not generalised. You know, this is given by so and So, You didn't have to give this. You know, they, this person gave. They had to work hard, and then they gave this of their own free will, so that I can benefit. That's what every so much of these material things are saying to us. Rather oh, than my house, my house, you know, washing walls. <laughs> You know, this is just some of these lovely things. You see the gifts, the the, the, the beauty of that. And it was given lovingly. Mm. And then if you see how, you know, like you, you take your meal, you eat your meal, you see just how the the, the intention, it's very easy, it goes, in, you know, I'll eat the food, get the food down, in the chanting, and eat the food. This is quite nice. And you can see that the whole kind of mind's only shut down this little... Sort of get buried in one's food, burrowing one's food like a squirrel. And even if it's you're hardly tasting it, sometimes it just kind of kind of buzz. And it's not really the, the, the particular sensory appetite so much as just that just that that feeling of being kind of lost into something, just riding on something where you you, you go. You're kind of in your own world. You're left alone in your own world with your bowl. And you can get into it, <laughs> and so that you're kind of becoming. your ball into your arms bowl, and it's easy. The food doesn't talk. It doesn't fight back. It just goes down, and it's you know it's fairly easy, like that. And then you see the training really in the, the, the vineyards. You actually break that up. You don't not eat. You're actually, this specific spoonful, and you're chewing it. So, this is actually more specific, more contact than a heedless contact. Because now you've actually been specifically with this particular carrot, and you're chewing it, just this chew and that chew, and you swallow it. It's not just a blur. So, you know, the way you can do that, you actually look in bowl and to be able to kind of each mouth will just take your eyes out of the bowl. Just that much, just that so you break that attention field, and it gives you a chance for the intention to no longer be dominated by the visual attention. Just a simple thing like that, you know, one puts attention into one's spoon and one's hand, or into one's jaws rather than into the into just the kind of blur of taste. So you see how you, you have a choice and it's the sekhya training was very much emphasised and direct one to creating a wise ground for attention that gives your intention a possibility of coming out of that blur of becoming into being alive, being specific being here with what's happening. So there's a kind of reverence there for things. You're not just treating something as mine. It's it's something that's itself. So you have to come up to it, wake up to it, contact it. Mm. I was had a lettuce leaf the other day, and I was just it's leaf, a little bit of lettuce leaf. I looked at this lettuce leaf. I thought, I thought lettuce leaf. You're about to become part of me. <laughs> you're, you're about to become part of me. How do you feel about that? As lettuce Leaves said, "Well, oh, Venerable Sir. <laughs> if I can help you practice the Dhamma, I'll be glad to be part of you. But if you just want me to be a projection of your greed... Last, you creep <laughs> <laughs> did Lettuce Leaf say that to you? Was it just me? <laughs> <laughs> I have a distinct feeling this is just my mind bouncing off this Lettuce Leaf <laughs> <laughs> so I looked at Lettuce Leaf and, thank you Lettuce Leaf you know? and I chewed the Lettuce Leaf like it was embracing my friend taking him into me you know? part of me it sleep now we move together it's not just you know, let lettuce leaf chug it down this is not the way it's free to treat a lettuce leaf particularly one given by uh, out of faith you know and a simple thing like that you know you get a moment where suddenly that you know you you're, you're in if your intention is to be to be just open up awake to what's you know, what this thing is about really you know, then you you come out of this kind of little cocoon of doing this, doing that. Oh, tomorrow I go to do this, 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 this. You know what state you can get into? Doing, living like that—you eat your food and oh, wash up—so you blurred state uh, where the whole world of time starts to arise because you weren't actually eating your food mindfully. So this isn't just about being polite and nice. It's really about bringing to benefit into one's life, where the, the moment is something where you can actually start to express a blessing to live out a blessing, to live out an act of blessing, the experience and so if you start to bless your lettuce leaf by you know, well, let's do this together little thing like that, then the result of that is not lost start to actually bless your own body. Not dumping around, well, okay, let's work with this, see how we can sit together now. Hmm? Maybe you can start to sort of bless some of the other people around. So that, you know, this is training one's intention to, to actually, instead of wanting or not wanting things, to start to experience what blessing something's about not about wanting or not wanting it's not about you know me and it it's suddenly there's a kind of there's a rapport there isn't there so this I think is very uh, crucial these are silly examples but very much you know when one realises the the activation of consciousness and the whole world springing out of consciousness that we end up being trapped by, you see how important it is to get to the arising of consciousness and to to get on board with that and not to neglect it and not to say it doesn't matter, but to actually get right there with consciousness instead of these intentions that keep dumping everything into it doesn't really matter, not mind, business, actually, you know, either be with it, you know, or, or or acknowledge what's happening. Mm. So this is where, of course, mindfulness, you know, you know, mindfulness, effort, right view, these are the three crucial factors around every aspect of of our, of our life. Mm. So when we come to, to the meditation time, the time when we practice with this, then just to start to to sit you know, what is the field of one's attention, is it you'd already feel there are kind of problems and pressures and things that oh you know, sit here. You know, already that's already been created in the mind. And and things of that nature you know, something one's got to do, something one's has got to get to, some performance one's got to feel is good, shame of getting it wrong and all these kinds of things, pressure to be stuck in this room, with this group of people. Is that already there in your field of attention? Then maybe this is what one should begin to actually work with, Um, because otherwise you, you find that don't actually get out of that model the meditation just becomes a kind of another kind of privatised habit of birth and death to come into communion with what's happening is where we begin to stop that separation and the cessation of here and there this is the, the deathless realm of non-grasping of non-creation of non-arising which doesn't mean there's nothing happening it doesn't mean there's no experience it means there's not this continual churning and vibrating so the, the realm of cessation is the realm of life rather than birth and death